It's Sunday morning. Time for the great outdoors with Charlie Potter. Brought to you by the all-new Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Good morning. Welcome to the Great Outdoors Show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. Thank you so much for joining me. I am calling you from the prairies, the prairie wetlands of Saskatchewan. I'm several hours northwest of Saskatoon and some of the most beautiful country. This, Well, if you like rolling hills and you like water and you like agriculture with wheat to the horizon and you like an abundance of waterfowl and, and all kinds of bird life, and, and lots and lots of deer to look at, particularly when you're driving along the road in the evening, unfortunately. This is the place for you. And if you don't like those kind of things, well, this probably isn't a show that you're going to be thrilled by. However, I hope it's a show that you're going to learn something about one of the most important areas on our continent, the prairie wetlands, which we've talked about from time to time, which are right now in the midst of a very disturbing drought. In fact, drought probably is not the right word. It's beyond drought in some areas. I had the pleasure of driving up from Great Falls, Idaho, all the way up along the provincial boundary between Alberta and Saskatchewan, and it's an area where you think about unsettled regions of the of the continent, this is unsettled. We went for more than 60 miles in one case without ever seeing a house. Two-lane road, just beautiful rolling hills, lots of still native prairie in the southwestern part of the province. And then as you move on up along the western shoulder of the province, you get into heavy agriculture. But throughout, what we saw was nothing but dry wetland basins, alkali wetland basins, as have been so well shown in the IMAX film, Wings Over Water. Uh, this is a region that is, is boom or bust, and right now it's in, the, it's in that cycle which says things are drying up, and it's, it could be very tough if they don't have a big winter come next year for breeding not only waterfowl, but breeding birds of all kinds that return to the prairies, uh, particularly the Saskatchewan prairies, which are the epicenter of bird production in North America. So I'm up here on what can only be described as a, uh, well, it's, it's a beautiful summer day. And here we are, in, here we are just about in October, and I, we are 75-plus degrees, not a cloud in the sky yesterday, no wind, hardly the kind of weather you want to pursue, whether you're pursuing sharp-tailed grouse or Hungarian partridge or, or ducks or geese. But it's a beautiful time in the world to be up here when the trees are turning, the aspens are all turning golden. I've often said that one of the prettiest drives is a drive that that nobody really makes, and that is the drive from west of Hudson Bay, Saskatchewan, not Hudson Bay up in the Arctic, but Hudson Bay, Saskatchewan, on east along the Saskatchewan River where you have almost interrupted 200 miles or so of gravel road and aspen and poplar and fall colors that are just spectacular. Well, the fall colors of western Saskatchewan aren't bad either. But one thing I have encountered up here, which is, I'm afraid, very, very disconcerting. As you may recall, uh, over the past year, I have talked with experts and others, uh, political leaders, I guess you could say they're experts as well, um, about what is Manitoba's decision to go to a lottery system for waterfowl hunters, to limit waterfowl hunters to seven days uh, throughout the province of Manitoba. And what that has happened, what that has caused is what so many of us feared, is that 
a lot of Americans who went to Manitoba simply are continuing to head northwest and coming into Saskatchewan. And that is exacerbating what already was the beginning of a problem in Saskatchewan. And it's a problem that we Americans only have ourselves to blame for. And that is the problem of outfitters. In this case, American outfitters, many of them not licensed outfitters are operating illegally, moving into Saskatchewan and disrupting what had been a precarious balance at best between the Canadian farmer the Canadian resident hunter and American hunters that have come here, some for generations, literally, and some more recently, now being infused into this mix is a professionalization of waterfowl hunting that will, in fact, destroy what has been known in Saskatchewan as the ability to drive around this spectacular province and be able to hunt waterfowl with the permission of a farmer, go into the slough, go into the fields, that is going to come to a crashing end virtually overnight if American outfitters who are operating without licenses don't cease. The Saskatchewan government, the Saskatchewan farmer, the Saskatchewan hunter is not going to tolerate this. And we simply as Americans have to recognize that we are about to destroy something that we've taken for granted, those of us who've had the ability to come to the Saskatchewan and Manitoba Prairie wetlands for, well, since you could come here on a train or on a horse, um, it's going to come to an end, as it has in Manitoba, and we are our own worst enemies. And in Manitoba, as you've heard me talk about several times on the air, there are areas of of Manitoba that have a serious problem with, with hunter conflicts between Americans and Canadians. They're very small areas. And they're relatively few, and they could be handled by specifically targeting those regions of the province, as opposed to the province-wide ban on on Americans and and, and limiting them to seven days hunting and and going into a lottery system unless you had been a grandfather American, as they call it, uh, who owned a piece of property. Saskatchewan is going to have to go that way. It's not going to be good for anyone if that happens. But what will stop it from happening is for Americans who are taking advantage of a system in Saskatchewan that operates on faith, and and they stop having other Americans come up and hunt with them, and essentially operating as outfitters. So if it's incumbent upon us to solve something before we create such a big problem that Saskatchewan, in one form or another, has to follow Manitoba. And in my time up here driving the prairie roads, I can't really tell you how many different times, but it's many, many times I have seen American pickup trucks full of hunters passing, stopping on the side of the road, going into farmyards. And these aren't these aren't hunters like myself who are here for a few days and um, I knock on a farmer's door and say, geez, I saw some sharp-tailed grouse. Would you mind if I go for a walk with my English Cocker Spaniel, or there's some ducks in your slough. Would you mind if, if I went and hunted? No, these are, these are Americans that are here for a month or six weeks, constantly bringing other Americans through and tying up land. And, and it is coming at the expense of the ability of legitimate outfitters in Saskatchewan to access the same land, and it's causing farmers, and I can speak of this firsthand, it is causing farmers 
to say, I don't want any hunters. I am tired of people coming on my property, calling me. Uh, I, I simply want to be left alone. This is a whole new dynamic that is coming about because of the professionalization of, of waterfowl hunting, which is something I've spoken out many times against. I think it's a, it's a, it's a slippery slope when we allow the professionalization of waterfowl hunting. Uh, and in Canada, it's experiencing what has happened across much of the United States, where everything gets tied up, everything's in the hands of an outfitter. And if you simply want to take a friend or take your son or your daughter or grandson or granddaughter hunting, the only way to do it is to pay a lot of money and go to an outfitter. And that's never what hunting, waterfowl hunting in America has been about. And if we simply relegate it to only places with public lands, do you have access unless you have a, a hunt club or you've leased land, then we're going to see a, a real demise in, in, in waterfowl hunting and other forms of hunting across America. And we, and we already are. So Canada has sort of been the last place. Manitoba, which I know so well, first went there in 1981. Saskatchewan, which I know equally as well, been there almost every year since 1982. Um, these have been wide open, welcoming places with lots of Saskatchewan and Manitoba farm families welcoming Americans into their houses. It was always on a friendship basis. And now comes the commercialization of the outfitter from America moving up here and bringing clients up from the United States. The country can't handle it. It's a big country, but it doesn't mean that there can't be, there isn't pressure in specific areas. And we're definitely seeing that. And what I'm hearing from my time here in Saskatchewan is that uh, we're about to see the door slammed on Americans coming to Saskatchewan as well, unless you're hunting with an outfitter, unless you get a permit um, because the pressure that Americans are bringing upon this province by Americans who are illegally outfitting here is is really is is real, and it's very sad for me on the Great Outdoors Show here in WGN to say that because, as you all know, I'm a I'm a huge fan of the right to, and the ability to continue our outdoor heritage of hunting, and we're about to destroy it in another province in Canada because a few. It's, this is not many people. It only takes a few. One outfitter setting up in a region, bringing 100 hunters in over the course of the fall, over three weeks, is a lot of pressure on that little town and that little region. And so that's what's, that's what's happening. It's not a lot. It could be as few as 20 or 25 illegal outfitters that are Americans operating across Saskatchewan. But if those 25 or so people are bringing 2,000 or so hunters, you can quickly see where the problem is. So Americans... Please don't go with an illegal outfitter. Make sure they're licensed, they're licensed. And I guess the illegal outfitters, if they're greedy enough, they'll destroy it for everybody. Hopefully they're not. Looks to me like they are, though. I'll be back in just a moment with more on the Great Outdoors Show. And when I do come back, I'm going to talk about Illinois and its unique location to birds and why at this time of the year its location to birds is on the forefront of so many people's minds. And unfortunately, we can do something about making it a better place for birds, but the question is, will we? This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN, and first a message from our longtime sponsors, the Northwest Indiana and Chicagoland Chevrolet dealers. Hiking, camping, and hunting, it's all an adventure in the great outdoors, but nature can be tough. You need to be ready for anything and everything. Chevy Silverado is built to handle the toughest conditions and get you everywhere you want to go worry-free. 
Silverado's designed to handle the big jobs. It's built for the great outdoors. With over 13,000 pounds of towing capacity and trailering sway control, Silverado can haul the biggest loads on the roughest roads and keep you cool as a Sunday drive. With eight available cameras and up to 14 different views, it can spot trouble before it gets to you. That's peace of mind. And when you're ready for the backcountry, Chevy Silverado 1500 ZR2 owns the off-road. You name it, we run over it. No wonder it's Motor Trend's 2023 four-wheeler pickup truck of the year. So see your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealer or go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and check out a Chevy Silverado. It's freedom to explore the great outdoors. It's Charlie Potter and the Great Outdoors on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome back to the Great Outdoors show. Charlie Potter, your host on WGN Radio, and hoping that the cell reception holds up as I'm hard against the Saskatchewan-Alberta border, some 400 miles north of the U of Haver, Montana, maybe 450 miles north in a place that's, there are few people, it's beautiful country. And it's part of the reason. It's beautiful country, may I add. So I was talking about how a few Americans could be ruining it for everybody in Saskatchewan by their desire to be illegal outfitters. And, and I'm going to move on from that. Um, if my cell service hopes up, holds up, and I hope it does this morning, to talk about something right in our backyard, Illinois, and birds. There's been, as there is every spring and every fall, there is renewed attention on why the city of Chicago keeps the lights on in the months of September and October and in the November and the same in the spring, particularly in March and April and into early May, when we are the largest city in the world to have the largest, geographically, to have the largest population of migratory birds pass through it. There are other cities, obviously, where migratory birds pass through it. But none is, is unfortunately, as badly located for birds as is Chicago. Think of all the cities in America. Chicago, being at the southwestern shore of Lake Michigan, the headwaters of the Illinois River, is in the very heart of the Mississippi Flyway. And for songbirds and shorebirds and waterfowl, it is the passageway where tens of millions of birds fly over it. Unfortunately, a lot of birds fly through it. Birds often migrate at night. The bright lights of the city of Chicago, the skyscrapers for Chicago so well known, are blinding to those birds and they fly into buildings and it doesn't take much to have a pile of birds on the streets of Chicago every single morning this time of the year. And it's really sad. And I've seen it firsthand from the smallest finches Occasionally you see a duck on the, on the streets of Chicago, but more often than not, it's the smallest of songbirds that are coming down the lake, following the lakeshore, and fly into the buildings of Chicago. I don't know how many. Nobody really knows how many, but it's thousands and thousands, if not tens of thousands of birds perish each fall and in turn perish each spring. And it could be more than that. We just don't know because we keep our apartment buildings, business, particularly the downtown, we keep it lit up like a Christmas tree throughout the fall and spring. There are some companies that do a great job of turning their lights off to help birds fly south. But if you look at the skyline of Chicago in the fall, there are not many of them. And in the spring, there are not many going north. So we sadly are one of the reasons due to our geographic location that so many 
birds perish flying south in the fall and north in the spring by flying into buildings that are illuminated at night. The other thing, unfortunately, Illinois is becoming known for, of course, we're known for some things that aren't so good. We are known for things that are good, but is we're putting wind farms in the midst of the highest migration corridors on the continent. This idea that we put so, that we put wind farms in at the headwaters of the Illinois River, where it makes the big bend at LaSalle, Peru, and we put wind farms across, running an east-west gauntlet over northern Illinois, the passageway through which so many birds pass. If this, these were oil wells, we would have had years of scientific study to determine whether or not these oil wells would be causing problems for birds. And you would have all kinds of reports before you ever could drill oil wells of any scale across northern Illinois running east to west or at the headwaters of the Illinois River. But we don't do that for wind farms. We just put them up. And anyone driving across I-80 in Illinois or driving down I-39 at night, it looks like a, a blinking blizzard of red lights. The number of wind farms that have gone in are, are, are stunning. And they've gone in without any regard to their placement and what it means for migratory birds. It, it seems to me just so, absolutely so hypocritical that we impose huge environmental restraints on one industry and we let other industries, in this case wind farms, erect literally migration-altering uh, structures on birds without any consideration of their impact. There are lots of places to put wind farms in the state of Illinois. The upper Illinois River and across the migratory gauntlet that they've created running east to west simply isn't one of them. And yet this is what's happened, and we've allowed it to happen, and the results are so far being commented on across the continent. Wherever you put wind farms up, where there are migratory birds, you are increasing the mortality of birds on a significant scale. So once again, we uh, at Illinois, unfortunately, we're, we're not doing our best to help migratory birds. We, we're not doing it in a way with malice. We're simply doing it without consideration of, of what's possible. Next week, we'll be rolling into October. I'll have much more on the Great Outdoors show. I hope you have a great week in the Great Outdoors. Thank you so much for listening. This is Charlie Potter and the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WG. And...